What is up, everybody? We back. We back. We are back. We've been all over the place the last few weeks. Uh, last week, I was actually in Chicago, hanging out a little bit, um, taking in the sights and the sounds. Back this week, though, with a big-time pay-per-view just a few days away, two two title fights, the uh, UFC light heavyweight title, the UFC bantamweight, interim bantamweight title, excuse me, will be on the line. Uh, a lot to talk about, Steven Jensen. Uh, been, uh, been a big weekend, man. Sup was back for both of us. Uh, you know, I had a big, uh, big TWE show, uh, and you were watching and talking about wrestling and MMA pretty, basically every minute you're awake. Uh, how, how's it been, man? It's been great. Great weekend. Uh, Love the sub show. Southern yes. Underground Pro. Everyone watch that. Use code Fight Talk and independentwrestling.tv and watch that show. F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. Always one word, no space. IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. Two ways to get to the same place. But that, that show was incredible. Um, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, there hasn't been a ton of like huge MMA stuff going on. Although I will say... This past weekend, shout out to Fedor Emelianenko getting the win yeah. on Johnson through a, a three-piece combo at him. So um, it was cool to see the last emperor still out there getting knocked out in 2021. That's wild. Um, you know, there's, so there's been a little bit of stuff going on in the MMA world. Like I saw in KS, KSW, uh, the five-time world's strongest man, uh, Pujanovsky or whatever. I'm always so bad with his name. Uh, he won in like like literally less than 10 seconds in KSW got some gigantic dude that I've never seen before. <laughs> um, so there's been some stuff going on. Corey Anderson's looking real damn good in Bellator, looking the best he's ever looked in his career. Yep. Then Nemkov looking great as the, as the champion over there at Bellator. So I wanted to throw all that stuff out there. There has been a little bit going on in MMA, but like we're here to talk about the big show coming up on Saturday, UFC. 267, which is going to be free on television here in the United States uh, because it's live over in Abu Dhabi. So the show's at like 2 p.m. Eastern time, the main card. So looking forward to talking about this and uh, giving some predictions. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, big time card. Like you said, middle of the day, 2 p.m. Uh, been right in the middle of all that, uh, that college football. Um, there'll be one of the biggest cards, man, of the year is supposed to be um, <clears throat> supposed to be Jan and uh, and of course Aljamain Sterling. We'll get into that in a minute. But we do have uh, our locked in light heavyweight championship, Jan Blahovich, defending against uh, one of our favorite stories in MMA, maybe in sports as a whole. Glover Teixeira, forty one years old, getting another crack at the light heavyweight title. The last time he fought for the light heavyweight title, all the way back. April 2014 against John Jones. That was UFC 172. So we're right there, near, essentially a hundred, you know, a hundred UFC pay per views later, still right there in the title picture, man. I know you're you're big on Polish power, um, uh, but again, we both big fans of Glover and his story. Uh, how do you see this one going down um, with uh, with again two of just the a lot of eyes on this fight for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, I mean, I love this fight. We talked about this one a lot throughout doing the podcast together. Like the story, like you said, the story of Lover Teixeira, like just I would have said back in like 2018, around the time he lost to Corey Anderson, or even before that, like when he lost to Gustafsson, uh, the Anthony Johnson knockout. Like there, there were times where it was like, man, like it was. 
you figured that the career of Glover Teixeira was going to be over at any minute. Like it was like he he was still in there and he was competing, but like it just felt like there was no way he was going to be you know climbing the the ladder and getting back to a title shot. Like I don't think anyone saw this coming until you know it's like he beats Carl Robertson, he beats Ayn to the Lava, he beats Nikita Krylov, and uh, and then when he beat Anthony Smith, especially because Anthony Smith almost finished him earlier in, in that fight. That was when I was really like, okay, this dude's on a four-fight winning streak, and he just finished Anthony Smith, and it was in the fifth round after an absolute war. It was like, oh, damn, like, he, he's maybe going to get a title shot. Like, and, and part of it, too, is John Jones knocking contenders off, John Blahovich knocking everybody out. Like, it was opening things up for Teixeira. And then when he beat Thiago Santos, it was like, this guy's got to be the number one contender. Like there's he 100% he's the one who deserves this title shot more than anyone in the division. So he just outworked everybody and got got back to a title shot. And then you got Jan Blahovich, who I'm a very, very big fan of. Like I, I, you know, I pick him all the time in these, in these big fights. And it's because more often than not, he, you know, he's able to knock you out. I mean, he has just so much power. And even in his most recent win over Israel Adesanya, that was a decision, but like he, he, in my opinion, he clearly beat Adesanya and Adesanya is, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, the, the best middleweight in the world. So it's like, it's just showing how, like Blahovich, I think is still getting better. Like, which is, pretty scary to think about like he's already as good as he is and he's been around the sport for you know since 2007 but it feels like he's still improving so this is an awesome matchup i'm a very big fan of both guys i think it would be an incredible story if lover Teixeira won this title um especially if he decided to like retire as the champion like just being like i have nothing left to prove uh and you know but it's also if you're the champion, like you probably want to stick around and, and defend the title a few times. But I don't know if I can pick him against Blahovich, though. Like the 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 thing with Glover is he does get hit a lot. Like in the fights with Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos, there were even Nikita Krylov. That was a really close fight. He gets like he got rocked heavy in a few of those fights. Like almost completely finished multiple times. Um, Jan Blahovich, I just feel like if he hits you the same way that like Anthony Smith was able to hit him, then I think it's lights out. Like, and I don't think it matters who you are. Like, it's something against Glover. So, like, official prediction, I am taking Jan Blahovich, but man, would I be happy for Glover to share if he won that fight? Yeah, dude, I, I'm same boat. Um, I just don't, you know, it's it's an interesting story with the Santos, the man that uh, Glover beat to be in this in this fight. The way you look at it, uh, it was the last person to beat Jan, Jan Blahovich. That's been a couple years. I just I, I think you uh, I think you're on the money, man. I, I would love to see Glover win. I think it'd be amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing story. And just one of the guys that, um, you know, cream of the crop that rose especially with with testing you know he's one of those guys you have to respect that he glover really made that rise to after this the new testing came in and and you know really cracked down on whatever was going on um 
So yeah, nothing but nothing, nothing, nothing but respect for Glover. But it's it's hard to pick Jan Blahovich, especially like you said after you know a, 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 a dominant win in my opinion, a very clear cut win at the very least over Izzy in that last fight. So. Um, this is a different challenge though, of course, because, you know, light, this is, uh, you know, that was a little bit of a super fight, you know, of course, um, Adesanya coming up, but, uh, Glover, this is his weight class, uh, makes it a little more interesting, I think, but it just, I can't pick against Jan Blahovich either right now. I mean, that guy, like you said it, bro, he's, he's getting better 38 really in that prime right now. Um, so yeah, in agreement, light heavyweight, uh, champion, I think retains and still, at the end of the night with this one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, look at John's last five wins. Like, Luke Rockhold knockout. Say what you love about Luke Rockhold. Like, I'm not I'm not a big fan of his for a lot of reasons. But, like, I mean, the guy's a former middleweight champion. Knocked him out cold in the second round. Uh, his fight with Jock Ray was very close. But that's a completely different style. Like, that's a, a that's like a stylistic nightmare for someone like Jan Blahovich, like what, what Jocker brings to the table. And that, that was a really close fight, but he still got the win over, over Jockery, which still means a lot when you, when you beat that guy, um, especially a few years ago. You had the knockout win over Corey Anderson in the first round. And Corey Anderson is killing it in Bellator. He's the number one contender for the Bellator light heavyweight yep. title. Um, in the Fightful MMA rankings that myself and Colby do each week, uh, we current, he's going to be actually as of last week, he jumped up to number five uh, in the world for us at the light heavyweight division. Like, and, and John just smoked him. Uh, you have Dominic Reyes, who a lot of people think, you know, beat uh, John Jones when they fought, and he TKO'd him in the second round. And then, like you just said, Israel Adesanya, middleweight champion, super fight, gets the clear cut unanimous decision win. I mean, and it's wild because, uh, Blahovich's last loss is Thiago Santos. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty wild how that how that goes. Like with because like MMA math, you know, a lot of the time it doesn't work, and, and it wouldn't in this scenario either. Because you look at people's records and be like, well, Glover Teixeira choked out Thiago Santos, but Thiago Santos knocked out Jan Blahovich. You know, it's like none of it makes sense. Like you can't look none at it, it that way. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, Blahovich is just he just looked incredible. And then, like we said for Glover, his last five wins, Carl Robertson, arm triangle choke, Ian Kudalaba, rear naked choke, Nikita Krylov, split decision, Anthony Smith, TKO, Thiago Santos, rear naked choke. I mean, it's the hell of a fight. And it's also, it's kind of weird to think about, too, and this is a whole other conversation, but just throwing it out there, like, John, like the whole John Jones thing, where... It's like I'm really happy we got to see John Jones in like competing because like he's such a super athlete. Like he's he's honestly in the cage he's probably the best fighter ever. But it's like, man, if he like wasn't around this whole time because and I say this because of all the screw ups and all the things yeah. and all the outside the octagon stuff and all the stripping the title and getting arrested and all these things he goes through over and over and over again. Messes. It's like man but it was, and you think about it, all the guys John Jones beat, and it's like, man, imagine where all these guys' careers might be if he, Jones wasn't around. You know what I mean? Because like no, they I, wouldn't have all lost to him like back to back to back to back. That's a great. I mean, me and uh, Brett and I were talking about that not long ago. It is. It's it's one of the weirdest like. You know, let's say things with how things are looking right now. I mean, he may never fight again, at least in the UFC. I'm sure 
and other promotions, if I'm another promotion, I want him, you know, to fight for me, no doubt, but, um, because of the drawing power of it, but let's just say, you know, let's say he does a fight in the UFC ever again, which isn't that crazy at this point to say, uh, it's the, it's the most like head scratcher of a conversation to have because he, he is without a doubt one of the best to ever do it, but he also is also the best to ever screw it up maybe. Um, and that opens up that idea again of like just what you're saying. Like, what if he had never, like, what if Bones had never had that run? Like, think about, you know, again, Ryan Bader, you know, think about, um, of course, you know, Shogun, Machida, all these guys, like, would they have had a little bit of a, of a different run? Or maybe there's a different young gun. Maybe Bader's entire, you know, career is different. There's so many things that branch off from just the odd and interesting career of one John Jones. Yeah, it really is. I mean, because someone like Glover Teixeira, like when he lost to Jones, people yeah. were like, you know, I mean, like, I mean, you guys, yeah, Bader, Shogun, Rampage, Machida, Rashad, Belfort, Chael, Gustafson, Teixeira. I mean, GC. Yeah, think about Alexander Gustafson, maybe. I mean, that his, his trajectory might be different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, so it's, it is it is wild to think. Like I said, I mean you can't change the past. Like John right. Jones, like it was it's been it's been really, really great to be able to watch someone at that level competing and doing their thing because he was just so incredibly talented. But if like he wasn't around and like he like, yeah. stayed out of the way and all that stuff, yeah, I mean the UFC looks complete that, that division especially was completely different, but that all said, I'm glad things have worked out the way that they have for Blovich and uh, and Teixeira, uh leading up to this this weekend. And I, I like you said, I have no idea if John Jones ever fights again for the UFC. I, I really don't know. They're in a tough spot because they can't. It's tough to just release him because he'll either just go out and promote his own shows or he'll yep. sign with Bellator or something. Um, you know, it's tough. But I also, feel, you know. Nate Diaz only has one fight left on his deal. And, like, True. I think if I was Nate, this is just me personally, if I was Nate, I'd fight, you know, Vicente Luque or, or whoever they want me to fight. Uh, get out of that deal. Like, just, just fight your contract out. And then go box, like, Jake Paul or something. Like, go make a ton of money. Oh, God, yes. Boxing. Yeah. Um, but, that you know, and this also is a whole other conversation as well, just throwing the idea out there. But, like, I don't know how much longer Dana White is, like, committed to being UFC president. Like, I'm not I'm not speculating or saying his run's coming up soon, but I know when they sold, uh, when they sold to WMEING and all that stuff, like, it was, like, a seven-year contract, maybe got extended 10 years, whatever, whatever it, it is. I feel like, you know, especially based on some of the stuff we've seen lately with, like, fighters like Paula Costa being able to get away with, like, fighting at entirely different weight classes than what they're signed up for and, you know, the Nick Diaz stuff and, and all the, and kind of all the shenanigans going on. The, the idea that they might just let Nate, Nate Diaz, uh, you know, fight his contract out and who knows what they do with John Jones. Part of me is almost like Dana might be on the way out himself for all we know, where he's just like, you know, fuck it. Like I'm done dealing with John Jones. I'm done dealing with Nate Diaz. Like, I'm done having to deal with all this bullshit, they, all the all the drama with the fighters. And also a big part of that that nobody brings up is Lorenzo Fertitta 
he was the one that was usually the liaison that the fighters would deal with. Yep. So, like, if if Paulo Costa or whoever was like having issues, he wouldn't be talking to Dana about it. He'd be talking to Lorenzo about it and that kind of stuff. So now Dana's probably getting like the offshoot of like what Lorenzo used to deal with, and now he's like fuck dealing with this stuff too. Like, so he's just probably letting them do whatever the fuck they want to do, and he's collecting his money. He might be on his way out for all we know. I I, I just I don't know that or anything, but it just based on some of the things recently, it kind of feels like he doesn't. I don't think he cares as much as he did about like being this like authority figure and making sure that the sport's being run like the quote unquote right way. You know what I mean? No, I did. It's definitely been a weird year, and it is. It's a, it's the thing we always there's always that conversation to be had of there ha- there will be a day that Dana White will not be a part of the UFC. So. Whether that day is tomorrow or 10 years from now, there's going to be that moment where, like, just what you're saying, you know, Dana, I just don't think at a certain point, as much as you love what you love about doing that, it does strike me that some of those things are annoying and more. And he's always been a little bit of a, uh, a angry person at times anyway, with how he's handled things, especially being the face of a billion dollar company. But, um, Man, when that bank account is that full and, you know, you're just trying to realize, you know, um, I could I could live another 30, 40, 50 years and uh, not spend all this money. Maybe it's time for me to, to step away. And, and like you're saying, that is um, whenever that moment does come, it's going to feel like a big change because it is. It, it's something that no matter what anyone says, bad, good or in between about Dana White, he has been. I mean, an integral part of not just MMA, but the fight game as a whole, the last, you know, 30 to 25, 30 years, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't hear you more for, for any negatives that people would say about Dana White, you also got to, you got to take into account, like mixed martial arts as a sport is not where it is today without him, like without him at all. So, um, I, I got nothing but respect for Dana White. I just think that some of the stuff that, He's been some of the something that's been recently happening in the company just is kind of out of character for like how he's dealt with stuff uh historically. Even even having like which you know, I love this kind of stuff, but even letting, you know, like Jorge Masvidal and like Junior Dos Santos like wrestle in AEW and all this stuff, like I I you know what I mean? I feel like Dana like years ago he wouldn't let them do that. Like he wouldn't be like I mean at one point I remember um uh, what fight was it? I think it was. There was a fight where Chael Sonnen was gonna walk. What was it? Ah, uh, there was there was like this big MMA crossover they tried to do. It might have been CM Punk walking out with Chael Sonnen or something. Like that. I can't remember what it was, but like the WWE wouldn't let their guy go and do it. And I was like, why would you leave money on the table like this? Like, why wouldn't you want the cross promotion? Um. But now it's like, and I also know part of it is, you know, I have no idea what Dana White and, and Vince McMahon's relationship is actually like, but the scene, publicly it doesn't seem like the two of them really like each other a whole lot. But Dana White and Tony Khan are like friends. Like, they've talked about it publicly. So, you know, and that probably has a, a part to do in it also. But it's one of those things, too, right, where it's like, it, it looks like they're mm-hmm. really going to worry versus Chris Jericho, like, one-on-one in AEW. And I feel like Dana White, 10 years ago, would have never let something like that happen. No, I told, I, yeah, again, I could not agree more. It feels very much like, um, you're right, it's a money move, not a, it felt like the times that it was, uh, our, our 
this is our product. That's your product. But man, there's so much money to be made in that. And, uh, that's a storyline that I, the little bit I've seen about it, I don't love it. But man, the, the, the pro wrestling audience fucking is here for it. So why not? Like you're saying, I mean, you're telling me you put that on a pay-per-view. There's going to be some percentage of fight fans that may not even really give a shit about wrestling that are going to, they're going to be interested enough to, if they don't watch it live, they're going to be checking what happened. Well, I got to go to Twitter. I got to go to wherever and see what happened. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's the name of the game. What you get, you know, you get two or three or four or five of those people and then maybe they get some of their friends and there's a whole other section of fan base now you've got. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's smart to do crossover stuff like that every now. I mean, oh, yeah. there's, all, there's also going to be, you know, a percentage of the wrestling fan base that just doesn't get what's happening. Like they just True. don't, they don't care about Dan Lambert. They don't care about Hori Miles. It's like, that's cool and all. Like I get it, but like I'm a fan of both, so like, it's great for me to watch. So I don't really, I'm not really concerned <laughs> that you don't like it. Like I like it. You know what I mean? It's like that's how I feel about a lot of stuff with wrestling. Is like, okay, you don't like it, yeah. that's cool, but like I, I do. So like, I'm gonna keep watching it. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on to the co-main because that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we both in agreement there. Main event, Jan Blahovich, we think retains in our co-main event. And this is a, this has been a mess, but the interim bantamweight championship will be on the line. Peter Yawn, Corey Sanhagen, of course, this was supposed to be Yawn and Aljo. Uh, Aljamain Sterling won that title, the first fighter to win a UFC title by disqualification, thanks to an intentional illegal knee strike call. I know anyone that we remember this moment as one of the wildest, weirdest nights ever, UFC 259. Uh, we're supposed to have the rematch here about, oh, let's say a month ago, actually about a month and a day from when we're recording this, um, we found out that, that you know, Aljo was going to pull out of the fight, still having some neck issues. So, Sanhagen in with uh, with Jan in place of the quote-unquote champion, Aljermaine Sterling. I know that's a discussion in its own right. So, with all this going on, Stephen Jensen, we know the history of Sanhagen and Sterling. We know the history of Obviously, Sterling, Yon, everything going on with this. Um, who do you give the advantage to in this right now? Because uh, in a weird way, Corey Sanhagen really has nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- the thing is, like, this is an awesome matchup. It's just, like, it's just unfortunate that, you know, it's two fighters technically coming off losses. Even though, once again, I mean, like, the yep. Aljo, you know, Aljo, like you said, Aljo beating Pure Yon, like, that was all on Pure Jan. Like, Jan was winning the fight. He was dominating. Like, everybody knows what was happening there. And then he made the bonehead decision to throw that knee, which he should have never thrown. Like, that was a blatant, a blatant illegal move. Like, I, I don't know what the hell he was thinking when he threw that. On the other side, you have Corey Sanhagen, who lost a super close fight to TJ Dillashaw. Like, that one could have gone either way. Um, I'm not saying that, like, I disagree with Dillashaw winning the fight. I'm, I'm not disputing Dillashaw's win or anything like that, but I'm saying it was close enough that, like, Sanhagen didn't look bad coming out of that fight. Like, if anything, he just hung in there for five rounds against the former champion and literally, you know, one or two more punches land, it might sway the, the judge's decision to where he wins that entire fight. I mean, it was, it was that close. And it was a hell of a fight. Like, it was an awesome fight. Like, it wasn't some boring split decision. Like, those guys went after it for five rounds. So, you know, they're both coming off losses technically, which I don't really like the idea of when you're fighting for a title. But at the same time, the circumstances in, in everything, this is a really, really damn good interim title fight. Do I think we really need an interim title? 
not necessarily because I don't think Algernon Sterling is going to be out for that much longer. But yep. you know, but I, I think I think you know the reason they are doing this, even though historically speaking, interim champions don't always get title fights for the for the undisputed title. Just ask Tony Ferguson about all that. But I I think the reason they're doing it is, is basically I don't know how to say this without because like I think Algernon Sterling is a, a fucking great fighter. I think Corey Sanhagen is a fucking great fighter. But I think Piotr Jan is the best fan of weight in the world right now. And, okay. You know, and, and, I, and, and I think that the UFC knows that. And I think that's the reason they're doing this is because they feel like Jan should still be their champion. So let's do an interim title fight to where we can get a belt back on him. And then it's like, you know, then he's still a champion for us. Like, he's still the champion on the posters. Like, and then yep. when he fights Alderman Sterling, they'll settle it and, and unify the titles. But everyone kind of feels like John never lost that belt. Now, Sandhagen could very well win this fight. Like, Corey Sandhagen's. I mean, if Gina Dillashaw and, and, and uh, if Gina Dillashaw and Pure Young weren't in the division right now in Alderman, in Alderman Sterling, I mean, I know that's saying a lot. That's three people, but like he's like he'd be the champion of that division. Like he's literally like a couple, one or two big ones away from like being the the best guy in that whole division too. And that's a stacked, stacked division. Um, the Sandhagen could win this fight. I just think Piotr Jan. Like I'm not picking against Piotr Jan against any of these bantamweights. So um, I'm taking him regardless. But it does set up a lot of interesting potential uh, scenarios because like if Sandhagen does win then you run back him and Sterling, and like you said, they've got history because Sterling choked him out. Um, if Jan wins, then you're running back Jan and Sterling, which is a rematch that we all feel like needs to happen anyways. And then TJ Dillashaw, when he's back from injury, um, he gets next on, on you know, the next title shot. So I think, you know, the good thing is the Bantamweight division is so stacked that, like, when people get hurt like this, you can just plug in another incredible fight and you're good to go still. Um, so I am taking Yon though as my official prediction, but I, I mean, given the circumstances where Sterling and Dillashaw can't fight, uh, th- this is the best match that they could have made a bantamweight. No, yeah, this is, this is a great fight. This is a this could be a main event. This absolutely could main event a pay per view, a fight night, whatever, because of uh, the history and the where each are at in their careers right now, but. Uh, man, I, uh, I just I don't I don't know how you pick against Peter Yawn. I mean, like you were saying, he should probably still be the champion right now. Again, bonehead move, but um, everything before that split second decision and and all the fights before that, even you know uh, recently, just look like the best, the cream of the crop. I'm with you. I'm with uh, Peter Yawn. Um, we'll be technically the new interim UFC bantamweight champion, but in a sense and still, and uh, as we'll wait around and find out when exactly, uh, you know, Aljo will be back in that cage because it just feels, you know, it's, it's kind of destiny at this point for us to get Jan and, and Sterling. And then, um, you know, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but I, I just, I think Peter Jan finishes that fight when it comes around more of a statement than anything. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, I, I need to make it clear. And I know you, are as well. Like we're not taking anything away from Alderman Sterling. Like no. I know it's like quote unquote champion. And like, I even said, like everyone feels like he never lost the belt. Like that's, but like Sterling, like Sterling is not the reason that Jan threw that knee. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. So yep. 
you know, it's a, it's a product of circumstance. It's, it's similar. Really, the only comparison you can really make is when John Jones illegally needed Anthony Smith. And Anthony Smith could have taken the DQ and won the title. Yep. But he didn't because he knew that that was going to be the perception. Is that what basically what's happening to Aljo uh, whenever he posts, you know, pictures with the title and stuff, and all the comments are like, fake champ, fake champ, fake champ. You know what I mean? It's like, I, so, but I'm not saying that Aljo, like, took the easy way out either. I mean, I can't, I'm not the one in the octagon taking these to the head. Like, I'm not going to judge yep. somebody based on how they react to that. Um, but the, the problem with it for the perception is that Jan was dominating that fight up until that point. And then rules are rules. Like, 100% rules are rules. He broke the rules. And he pays, he's paying the consequence. But it's also really shitty when you know, like, you know, because Aljo, it's like, he was also kind of gaming the system, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's the one who was turtled mm-hmm. on the ground knowing you can't throw knees when you do that. Like, I, I don't like that either. Like, when... Like, in one championship, we just saw it happen where, like, Demetrius Johnson, he wasn't gaming the system, but he ate a knee very similar to that. And it was legal because the, the rules in one championship are different. And, but the thing is, like, and once again, I, I don't want to compare the two, but, like, I, it, it does stick out in my mind where, like, I can't even remember the dude's name who knocked out Mighty Mouse, and I feel really bad about that. But he, he, he needs Mighty Mouse in the head and knocks him out, wins that title. Mighty Mouse was up and doing an interview in, like, a few minutes. But, like, Aljo was, like, on the ground basically getting, like, carted off. And it's, like, I'm not saying he was faking it. But what I am saying, I don't want that to sound like what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, like, when it happened to Demetrius Johnson, something very similar. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things. This makes you think. Like, Like, Anthony Smith kept fighting. Demetrius Johnson got knocked out cold. And just, like, he was up and doing an interview in, like, five minutes. Like, Alderman Sterling, like, laid there until they gave him the title. And it's, like, so that's, I, I, it's just worth thinking about, I guess. But at the end of the day, like, he's not the one who threw the illegal meat. That's on Pierre Jan, beyond paying the consequence for not being the champion anymore. No, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's part of the game. It happens. Um, it's all about how you react and... Right now, Aljamain Sterling is the UFC Bantamweight champion. We are in agreement, though, that, that we think Peter Yan will be the interim Bantamweight champion. And uh, and those two will, will, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see that one early next year announced um, for the undisputed Bantamweight title. But, yeah, once again, in agreement, both of us think Blahovich, Both of us think Peter Yan. Uh, I want to let you know, of course, this card, uh, like Steven said, October 30th, this Saturday, UFC 267. It's not a pay-per-view. You do have to have ESPN Plus. That's it. It's ESPN Plus, like exclusive, no pay-per-view price. The prelims are start at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And, of course, this main card, 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus this Saturday. Um, we're going we're gonna to run through these next few uh, main cards. Steven's going to hit you with some prelim matches to watch out for. Um, and then we're going to be out of here, man. Like I'm saying, it's it's... All you got to do is have that ESPN Plus subscription, and you get a uh, you get this full day of fights, man. Ten thirty, then two. Um, next up, right in the middle of this this main card, we've had two title fights. We've got a lightweight scrap, both very uh, active fighters so far this year. This will be the third fight in twenty twenty one for both Islam Mak Mak was it Mak Makachev? 
Islam Makachev and Dan Hooker both looking. Uh, this is their third fight, like I said, of the year. I believe Makachev is undefeated in 2021. Um, and Dan, of course, only has that loss. You know, lost to Chandler, came back and got the win. Yeah, yeah, Makachev, uh, March, July, and now this month, October, um, looking to go 3-0 and this year is uh, Islam Makachev, who we've talked about um, so much about. But, of course, Dan Hooker, too, uh, you know, those – that run of, you know, that Dustin Poirier and then Michael Chandler fight back-to-back, bro, um, with that Paul Felder fight even before Poirier. That's that's a run. And then, of course, the 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 win um, just a few months, actually less than uh, right out a month ago, September of last month, is when Dan Hooker got the decision win at UFC 266. So, Steven Jensen, what happens? Do we have Islam going 3-0, and or does Dan Hooker get two wins like a month apart? It's, I mean, this fight rules. Like, this is a really, really, really good fight, and it's really interesting stylistically because Makachev is a, a Habib-type fighter. He's going to come in, and he has he has good striking, but he could just out-grind you, out-wrestle you. He's going to have better cardio than you, and is going to just take you into the deep waters and try to submit you. Um, but he also has the potential to knock you out as well. Um, so... And then you got Dan Hooker, who's mainly a stand-up fighter, um, but a really, really, really high-level stand-up fighter. Like, one of the best strikers in the lightweight division. So, every fight starts standing. So, Hooker, I think, is going to have the advantage early. But if Makachev can get in close and wrap him up, then I, uh, I got to go Makachev, I think. I can't remember who the original opponent was supposed to be for this, because I know that... Uh, I know that. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Because I know that Makachev was supposed to fight somebody else, and they just oh, I, oh it was, it was it RDA. RDA. Yeah, it's supposed to be RDA. Yeah. So, um, which that's a huge fight at lightweight as well. But huge props to Dan Hooker because basically what happened with him was he was having like travel issues coming over from New Zealand for his uh, fight against Hopkrest at two sixty six, and since he was already in town in Las Vegas, um, he was like, you know, they, the RDA situation happened where, like, RDA had to pull off the show. I think he was just injured. Um, but he, um, yeah, it was injury, but it didn't say what what injury. But basically, like, Hooker was already in the States, and he was like, shit, like, I'll stay and fight, uh, you know, fight Makachev. So, Huge shout out to Dan Hooker for for doing this. It's a great fight. It's a great matchup. Uh, if I was to look at the rankings real quick, I'm gonna pull them up because they're both they're both in the top ten, surely. Um, probably pretty close to each other. So you've got here we go. Makachev is number five, Dan Hooker at number six. So there you go. Um, and then you got Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje. They're fighting each other soon. That's number four and number two. Uh, Poirier and Oliveira are fighting soon. Dariush is kind of the odd man out right now. I don't know if he has a fight lined up or not. But honestly, I mean, Makachev, Makachev and Chandler, like the winner of this fight will probably fight the winner of Gaethje and Chandler, I think. And the winner of that will get the, the winner of Poirier and Oliveira. So like this is a huge fight for Makachev and Hooker to get to get into title contention, and I just think Makachev's style, like I said, like Khabib, it's just it's really, really, really hard to pick against him until I see somebody like 
his only loss ever is to Adriana Martins, and that was back in 2015. Uh, that was by TKO, but outside of that, like, he's been so dominant that I, I just – but if anyone can talk about it, I mean, Dan Hooker is the kind of guy with the kind of style to do it. Uh, but I just think Makachev has more ways to win, and uh, so I got to go with him for my prediction. But this is a very big fight in the division. Yeah, I really, really want to pick Hooker by uh, finish by TKO, but uh, it's it's I mean Makachev, man, like you said, it, all it really if he gets a hold of you once, that that legit might be enough for that whole round or of ground and pound. I mean, getting better by the fight. Um, I, I'm with you. I think this is a great fight. I want Dan Hooker to win just because of this grind he's been on, you know, his whole career. But really, this last like year, two years for Dan Hooker have been super impressive to watch. Um, would love to see him get the win, but I- I'm with you again, man. I think Makachev gets the dub. It's just, it's hard to pick. Uh, it, it, one of my favorite sayings you say it all the time. I just, you're right. He's got more ways to win. Um, I expect him to to finish the year undefeated, uh, and like you're saying, really kind of be in a great spot in this sort of tournament we're getting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and this is still, you know, one of the most stacked weight classes in, I mean, in all of MMA still. I mean, so, all the fighting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this, is, this is super high-level stuff that we're going to be getting on Saturday. And this, is, this could have easily been, like, the main event of a fight night or something, too. I mean, so this, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this fight. And, and I, I'm, I've been on the Dan Hooker train for, like, for a very long time. Like, I'm a huge fan yep. of his. I just think Makachev is just a stylistic nightmare for a lot of people, especially people that are predominantly strikers. Yeah, no, it's without a doubt the, the big story coming into that fight, man. Um, what's going to happen? Can Makachev get him down? Can Dan Hooker, you know, get him out? Uh, big time fight. Love the fight of styles right there in the middle of this main card. UFC 267 this Saturday, October 30th. Um, when you're done watching this card, you're going to want to watch The Crow because that's what you do on October 30th in this house. Uh, next up, heavyweight fight, bro. We got some bangers right here. Alexander Volkov, Marcin Tibura. Uh, two guys that just really come to to put you down, man. Um, I, I think we get a finish here, right? Um, how are you feeling about these two sluggers coming at it? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for a finish. Alexander Volkov, like he he definitely finishes people, like, but he also can be smart about like kind of surgically picking apart opponents too. Like he can use his length and his reach and his like superior boxing skills if he needs to versus like having to go for the kill. Yep. Um, and then Marcin Tibura, he has a lot of decision wins, but his style is more so like going for that kill and, and hopefully getting it early. Um, like his last two fights were knockouts or technically TKOs over Greg Hardy and Walt Harris. Uh, two guys who are similar in that sense to Tybura, where like both of those guys have styles where they're usually trying to get a finish early as well. Um, so I like the matchup a lot. I think Tybura is going to come after him and uh, really try to take his head off as fast as possible. And if he lands, he very well could win the fight. But I think Alexander Volkov is just, he's fought, he's, he's fought, higher level competition more consistently than Tybura has. Like Vol- like all of Volkov's fights is like, even if you just go back to, what did it say, back to 2018, you have 
for Doom, Derek Lewis, Greg Hardy, uh, Curtis Blades, Walt Harris, Alistair Overeem, Surreal Don. I mean, that's a murderer's row of heavyweights. Matt, and, and he's and he's of those matches, he went four and three of just those. But if you start digging deeper, I mean, you got like Windsor Stephen Strew, Roy Nelson, Tim Johnson. Um, I mean, he was the Bellator uh, light heavyweight champion back in the day and stuff. Like he's, I, I just I think. I think if there's a knockout, it's more likely that it's like Ty Burr knocking out Volkov. Like if I had to pick who's more likely to get a knockout in this one, but I think Volkov is going to land a lot more volume and he very well could finish Ty Burr after landing, you know, some combos and stuff. But like, I also think that if Volkov wants to, he can kind of stay back and use his reach and his jab and, and just kind of, kind of systematically break down Tybura. I, I think he's a lot better all-around striker than Tybura is, um, especially from, like, a kickboxing perspective. So this is a really good fight. There very well could be a finish. Um, but I got to take Alexander Volkov, whether it's by finish or decision. I just think I just think he's the overall better fighter. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I'm actually going to take Tybura to get the finish because of I think he is going to come out, understand the moment, understand everything you just said, that Volkov has been in there with a the better talent, some really deep waters. Um, this is one that I'm not really – my gut's telling me probably Volkov, like you're saying, does get the win. But there's just something – I look at that run he's on. I'm going to say Tibera does get a finish here, maybe second round. Um, this is another one, though, man, I'm really excited for. Again, battle of styles. could go either way, really. Um yeah, heavyweight fight right there in the middle of this main card. We've got two more, um, two more left on the main card. Uh, Steven's going to get you some prelim uh, predictions to watch, some big fights to watch there, and then uh, we're going to get out of here. This man's got a lot to do on a on a on a recording day. Uh, next up, welterweight scrap, bro. There's a lot of talk about this one because uh, obviously Li Jingling, very great fighter. We've seen him in some bangers, but it's the return of Chimayov, Kamzat Chimayov. The the fighter in all the world. I don't give a shit if it's boxing him. I don't care. 2020 belonged to this guy. Three fights in the UFC, three finishes, two of those in the same month within literally 10 days. That felt like this guy we were saying. I mean, he might be one win away from getting a title shot. Has not fought since September 19th, 2020. You know, been had to pull out, COVID, whatnot. He's had a lot going on. Back in the cage this Saturday, man, we finally see Chimeyov, and it's damn near at the very end of the year. Uh, what do you expect out of this man after all that momentum uh, that we saw, you know, last year? Uh, and then, of course, being in there with someone like Lee, who, 33 years old, been in there with some names, right? Of course, not too long ago, he lost to Neil Magny. He uh, he knocked out Ponzinibbio uh, earlier this year on ABC. Um, so again, 18 and six record for, for Lee, you know, he's not going to be worried about it, but, uh, but what do you expect uh, again, the big story, what do you expect out of Shemayov in this fight? Yeah, that's the real question, right? Is like, how is Shemayov going to look post COVID? Cause it, it, the reason it's taken him so long to return to the octagon is because, and that's how, why COVID such a, is such a strange thing for so many reasons. You, you know, I'm no doctor obviously, but you, you, it's like when you look at it, it's like all these people who just are like regular everyday people, a lot of them are just like 
you know, a lot of them get really sick and possibly die from COVID, of course, but a lot of them just like, it's like a cold and like, it's just kind of, they have it for a few days and that's it. You kind of figure like this world-class athlete like Chimeyov would just kind of brush it off, but he's like really suffered like from, with his lungs from this thing. And that's why it's taken so long for him to come back. And that's really the only question mark I have about this is like, is it the same Chimeyov we saw pre-COVID? It's just impossible to know until we see it. Um, and, you know, it's just that it's just a big question mark. Now, Lee Julian, he's an awesome fighter. I'm a very big fan of his, and I thought he looked really damn impressive by knocking out Santiago Ponzinibbio in his last fight. Um, Jing Liang is a guy that I've been a fan of for quite a while, and a guy that I think has done really well for himself in the UFC. I mean, he's been around since 2014. Um, but in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, his last 10 fights, he's eight and two. And he's fighting really, really good guys. His only losses in that stretch were Jake Matthews and Neil Magny, like you mentioned earlier, uh, two really damn good fighters. And if he fought Jake Matthews again, I think that'd be a really damn good fight again. Like, and he like, oh, yeah. very well win. Um, and Neil Magny, we talk about all the time. He's like fringe Hall of Fame level worthy. It's just he never competed for a title. But if you look at his record, and the people he's beaten and how consistent he's been in certain years where he won like six fights in a calendar year and stuff like, you know, Neil Madden's not anyone to, to take lightly or any stretch of the imagination. So Lee Jing Liang, I think it's had a really damn good run and he's a very dangerous fighter. He's tough. He has good cardio and he's able to knock you out uh, really at any point during the fight. Um, like even some, like his win over uh, David Zawada, that was in the third round, like, you know, you know, deep waters and getting getting finishes and stuff. So, with that said, if it's the same Chimeyov we were seeing pre-COVID, who was just coming in there and just finishing everyone, I mean, every one of his wins, the guy's 9-0, and and they're all TKO, KO, or submission, every single one of his wins. Um, and his last win over Mearshart was literally 17 seconds long. I mean, so I'm going to take Chimeyov, Um I'm just, I'm just hopeful, I guess, that he, and nothing against Jing Liang, like I said, I'm a fan, but, but for Chimeyov's sake, like, I'm hopeful that he's the same guy he was pre-COVID. Because if he is, and he can get this knockout, especially if it's a knockout, I, like, they were really positioning him to where, I, like, he was supposed to fight Leon Edwards. Like, they're yep. trying to, to, to mega push Chimeyov if they can. So if he comes in and gets a stoppage over Jing Liang, he might jump the entire the entire division and get a title shot next. So he's going to come in super motivated and, and trying to prove that he is the same guy he was before he had to take time off. Um, and I'm going to say that he does it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take Chimeyov, uh, for the win in this one. Yeah, it's it's such a big question mark. Um, but everything we saw last year, it's hard not to pick against him. Hopefully, the lungs, everything like you're saying. And it's uh, he gets in there and he is the same guy, because if you just told me, you know, that night that that his last knockout finish last September, if you just said, hey, you know, by the end of next year, he'll actually only fight one more time versus, you know, fighting for a title. I'd have thought, oh, he'll fight for a title, you know, versus just one fight. But uh, but you said it, man. The, another thing to COVID, uh, the coronavirus as a whole to, to keep in mind, man, it, it's uh we don't know a lot. I mean, what, how, what, like, how, how, what else is there to say when you're like, you're saying this, this absolute just warrior, um, 
has had his entire journey took off track by it. So we're in agreement. Chemayov, uh, we think, you know, again, same guy should get a win, but this should be an absolute fun barn burner of a fight um, right, right here on this main card. We're opening up with a light heavyweight division. First fight on the main card, which, again, you can watch ESPN Plus only, no pay-per-view, um, 2 p.m. Eastern, kicking things off, light heavyweight scrap. Volkan Ozdemir back in there against Magomed Ankaleov. Um, again, we got big boys throwing hands. Uh, Ozdemir kind of was hot there for a second. That, that's cooled off a little bit. Um, do we, st- and then you look at, uh, you look at Magomed, bro, this kid's what, 15 and one, 29 years old, not even 30 yet, 15 and one, a lot of finishes, um, some decisions in here, a couple submissions, or excuse me, his only losses to a submission, um, to Paul Craig, by the way. Uh, yeah, so, Paul Craig rules. Yeah, yeah, Paul Craig fucking rules. Um, so that's not a bad loss at all. But but uh, again, uh, you know, a lot of momentum behind this young man. Um, across from Ozdemir, just a couple years older, like I was saying, had a lot of a uh, lot of buzz going in those three losses. Though you know, he lost three in a row to Cormier, Linehart, Dominic Reyes. Uh, kind of I'm, <laughs> no big deal there, I guess. Uh, since then, two wins before. The most recent loss last July, he was finished at UFC 251, was Ozdemir. So, uh, different momentum's coming in. Uh, Ozdemir going to be definitely hungry. But, uh, again, Magomed, bro, this guy's just kind of on one right now. Yeah, and this is another just great fight in the light heavyweight division. I'm going to pull the rankings real quick just to see where they're sitting because this is is definitely another top 10 or, like, very close to top 10. Uh, So, they've got Ozdemir at 8. And they have Inkleyev at seven. So Boom. I mean, once it's, I mean, perfect matchup. Two guys that are ranked right next to each other in the division. Um, you know, Ozemir's last loss was to Yuri Prohaska, who very well could be the next light heavyweight champion. Like I think Prohaska. I mean, obviously, I'm very, very happy about the Teixeira and Blahovich fight, and I think either guy can win. But I am leading uh, Blahovich. I think that Prohaska stylistically is probably the worst matchup for Blahovich. Like, with Prohaska's uh, kickboxing skills, I think he's... Yeah, I, I would still probably take Blahovich because he's just been on such a roll, but landed his knockout power. But Prohaska is, like... He's, like, the next guy up, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, and Ozemir, you know, he's a damn good fighter. He's very, very dangerous. Uh, he's been consistently fighting top-level guys. I mean... You know, even though losses to Cormier, Anthony Smith, and Dominic Reyes, these are all guys that, you know, fought John Jones right around the same time for the title, uh, but still getting wins over Alir Latifi and Alexander Rakic after that. Um, you know, his, and he's mainly a striker, as we all know. I mean, that's going to be his thing. And Kaleov is more well-rounded. And like you were saying earlier, I, I say it a lot, but I, I think Kaleov just has a lot more ways to win. Um, I think Ozdemir could very well knock him out. I think it's totally possible, um, especially early in the fight. But I'm going to go with Ankaleyov uh, as my prediction here. And uh, this is a big one for light heavyweight because, you know, especially for Ankaleyov because Ozdemir has had a title shot in his career. And he's got to really work his way up, especially because of some some of his losses, especially the most recent one to Prohaska. But Ankaleyov never had a title shot. He's never even been in the title picture. And if he can get a big win over Ozdemir, he's maybe one or two wins away from like being considered in that in that mix. So um, this is a big fight, but I'm going to take Inkleyov. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, he pushes it. I think he pushes it seven wins in a row. You look at his career. 
Starts nine and zero, loses to Daniel Craig or Daniel, yeah, had Daniel Craig, Paul Craig. Both are handsome and will fuck you <laughs> up. Uh, loses to Paul Craig like he does nine and zero, now nine and one. Now he's six and you know, six straight since that loss. So, uh, man, unless unless you're uh, in there with the Bear Jew, this guy is uh, this guy's probably going to come out with a dub. I think he pushed it to seven wins in a row. And, uh, and gets a very impressive win over Ozdemir to kick things off. And like you're saying, be really, you know, this light heavyweight division next year is going to be really interesting to see who kind of uh, climbs up to that top now that, uh, especially uh, if Jan Blahovich can keep putting up wins and, and really keep retaining this title, man. Um, that's your main card. Again, 2 p.m. Eastern, ESPN Plus, not a pay-per-view. You just log into your ESPN Plus and it'll be there. Uh, prelim card, again, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, early kickoff there. What are some uh, what are some scraps you're looking at uh, that you know everyone should get up uh, a little early maybe after some beers on Friday and uh, and watch this 10:30 a.m. kickoff? Um, let's see. Let me pull up one of these. So I'll say I'll, I'll highlight two fights real quick. So we got um, Amanda Kibos and Vierna Jandarova. That's going to be the the main event of the prelims. Uh, Amanda Kibos has a lot of potential. A lot of potential still. Um, 28 years old. But, you know, has looked really, really good. Her only losses are to Pollyanna Viana and um, Marana Rodriguez, or Marina Rodriguez. And Rodriguez, you know, is, of course, coming off. She's on a three-fight win streak with her most recent one being that main event win over Mackenzie Dern. So, he bosses in the mix with some of the best women in the division. Um, Jandaroba, uh, I remember her from Invicta. Like, she was really, really good in Invicta. And she's come in and fought pretty much nothing but top competition in the UFC since coming over. Um, since joining the promotion, she lost to Carla Esparza in her open or in her, in her debut with the promotion, but unanimous decision to former champion. Who's one of the best in the division. Um, back-to-back wins over Mallory Martin and Felice Herring. That lost to Mackenzie Dern and then uh, a win over uh, Kaneko Murata in her most recent fight, TKO. Um, and that was in uh, June of this year. So, yeah, I, I like I like that matchup a lot. Uh, I'm going to take Amanda Hebos. I think I I like I like Jandaroba a lot. Like I I really thought when she was an in Invicta, I was like, if they got her in the UFC, she was going to be a real big problem. And she has been for most so far. But I think Hebos just barely gets the win. I think it's going to be a really close fight. But I'm taking Amanda Hebos in that one. But that's one I'd highlight. And then I'll also highlight um, Eliza Dos Santos. He was looking really, really good a couple of years ago uh, with a one, two, three, four, five, six, with seven wins in a row at one point. Uh, one coming over Amari Akhmedov, who's a very good fighter. Another one over Lyman Good, who is a former Bellator champion. Uh, Sean Strickland, very dangerous guy. So he's, and you know, his most recent losses. Uh, Lee Jingliang, who we've already talked about today, uh, Muslim Sakhalov. So, you know, I, I think he's someone worth watching because he has shown a lot of a kind of brilliance throughout his career up to this point. He's been around since 2009, but, like, I think he really hit his stride in, like, the 2015, 2018 time frame. But he's still very, very good. And the reason I bring him up as well is because his opponent, Benoit St. Dennis, has no Wikipedia page. So I just said all this good stuff about Dos Santos, but like you might want to keep an eye on his opponent because we all know these non-Wikipedia pages can be very dangerous sometimes. So that's a fight to maybe look out for as well. 
Hell yeah, man. Uh, that's it for us, man. Uh, Jensen's got a lot going on uh, today. We've got just a few days uh, between us and UFC 267. I want to remind you one last time. ESPN Plus, Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. Main card starts 2 p.m. You just need ESPN Plus. No pay-per-view price. Uh, great to be back, bro. Anyone else uh, that hasn't, definitely check out Southern Underground Pro up on IWTV. Um, and yeah, man, uh, I, I'm re- I'm just ready for this card, bro. I'm, I'm fired up, ready for some title fights, ready for some finishes. Uh, happy to be back, my friend. Yeah, happy to have you back, happy to be doing the show. And uh, yeah, like Mo said, check out Southern Underground Pro, Sup Graphs, and all the other great shows over there on independentwrestling.tv. Use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. Also make sure to follow me on Twitter at FIGHTTALK underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. Um, I should be doing a Fightful watch-along on Saturday for this show. It'll be in the middle of the day, probably like 3 p.m. Eastern. I'm guessing we're going to do... Uh, San Hagen versus Jan and uh, Blahovich. That's weird. Jan, Piotr Jan and Jan Blahovich being back-to-back fights. Throwing me off. We have Piotr Jan versus Corey San Hagen and Jan Blahovich versus Glover Teixeira. Um, we, I think we'll be watching both of those live. Um, YouTube.com slash Fightful, so join us for all that. Um, and everything else I got going on this week, I'll just keep updated on my Twitter once again at FightTalk underscore. Um, anything left from you, Moe, before we sign off? I might have just lost most. He's, he's muted. No, here we go. He's muted and unmuted. It's a great ending of the show. For Jump and Johnny Mosley, I've been Stephen Jensen. We'll be back next week on some more mixed martial arts.